Well, hello and welcome to episode number 387 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. In this week's show, some Spirit Airline passengers smell burning, Matt takes a look at contactless food, and Nev has some exciting news about BA's big buses. In the military this week, the US Air Force's new replacement for the EC-130 Compass call makes its inaugural flight. It's a Gulfstream. Boeing's T-7 Jayhawk continues production. Sikorsky UH-60 Blackhawks could be produced in the UK. And we finally see some amazing images and videos from Bones at Fairford and Globemasters Down Under. So joining me this week, as always, across the village this week for a change, <laughs> in the PTUK Master Suite Studios, it is, of course, Matt Smith. Yes, you've been chasing your tail a bit today, haven't you? So uh, we haven't... All yeah. week. All week. Yeah, absolutely. All, all thanks to a random road closure near where you've got to go for your first yes. pick and drop. So, yeah, so uh, Carlos uh, ran out of time, basically, and so he's having to yes. do it from home. So, it's been uh, a been an interesting week. I'm not going to lie, and Matt knows more about that. Yes, than absolutely. Many. Yes, but we'll gloss over that and move on. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, nice to see you as always, Matt. And uh, sorry, I couldn't uh, join no, no, you this evening right. in the studio. I don't blame you. I'll be I'll be with you next week. I'll be back next week. Lovely. Don't don't threaten um, me like that. It's not nice. <laughs> He's missing his beer. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, oh. hello, Alfie. <laughs> Hi, Alfie. My, welcome. And joining Matt in the oh, studio this dear. week is Alfie. I'm so and, sorry. And mother as well. <laughs> and mother Mother's as well. Yes, every, go, yeah. Everyone say hello to mother. Yes. <laughs> so, unfortunately, this week... Seamless Armando, here, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Armando uh, was assigned a last-minute trip and is somewhere between Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and Las Vegas, Nevada. So, he will not be with us on the show this evening, but he sent us some military stories in, which has made Nev incredibly oh, happy. And on that note, uh, welcome uh, on the show, as always, the absolutely fantastically amazing Neville Bones. Yes, here we are, back for some more, and uh, hello to everybody. It's been a hectic week for me, that's for sure. Mm. Exhibition time again, so I'm out uh, with the firm doing some shows this week, and uh, its I've forgotten how hard work it is, <laughs> uh, building <laughs> exhibition stands and I bet. talking to people for two days consecutively, and uh, Not the same breaking people, the I stand hope. down again, and then driving somewhere else to see another customer. So yeah, it was, uh, but it was good fun, actually, and it's great to see people back at exhibitions so that was uh, superb really good uh, but uh, i'm a little jaded so i'm looking forward to the weekend i must say <laughs> yeah had enough i bet yeah aren't we yeah. all aren't yes. we all yes. yes yes are you on the old um radio box again this sunday matt uh, yes, all, all being well, as are you, I think. Good. Aren't you? On yeah, Saturday? tomorrow morning. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. Good, good. Looking forward to that. Indeed, yes. Uh, although, actually, we took. I'm going to see the, not, the new Bond film uh, tomorrow. Where are you evening. going? I'm going tomorrow evening about 6 Oh, me and Gemma are going Sunday. Oh. Uh, you're going to the Odeon? Uh, of course. I wouldn't, I, okay. wouldn't, I wouldn't dare have go anywhere else, frankly. And I'm guessing you've booked Premier Suits. Uh, apparently other theatres are available I've been told in my ear sorry about that yes Uh, and uh, (laughs) yeah I don't know that's put me off now anyway carry on yeah I'm looking forward to that Sunday (laughs) it's been so long waiting for that 
anyway, anyway, it's finally out. But uh, actually, Matt, on that note, I'm looking forward to when the Top Gun film comes yeah, out. Yeah, I don't some think point it's going to happen in right the next now. 20 I years. I don't, I don't think it's going to actually um, happen. <laughs> me, me and Matt will be retiring from our jobs I, by I the time so, they yeah. um, release that film. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so we have got a very special announcement to make later on in the show. So stay mm. tuned for that because yes. it's a big announcement. It's an announcement that's taken us far Ooh. too long to put together, but we finally have all our ducks We've, in a row. We finally we're ready to share. That's why I'm on the beer this evening. Is anyway, hey, uh, so that'll help. A big, a big thanks to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening. We're going to go through the family members quickly. Richard Adams uh, is in there this evening. Sturman, hello to you, Sturman. Uh, he's changed his uh, his uh, icon this week. Uh, Mazus, hello to you, Mazus. Auntie Liz, hello, Auntie Liz. Lovely to see you in there this evening. Uh, GB's Model Zone, hello to you. Uncle Micah is in there, wielding Aww. the blue spanner of doom. Uh, Tony S, hello to you, Tony. Jenny, hello, lovely Jenny in Rome. Hope you're well. Uh, we have got as well Dirk S, hello to you, Dirk. Um, scrolling down, Masha. Hello to you, Masha. Hope you're keeping well. And Jonathan Warner's in there as well, waiting for that all important military segment from uh, Nev. And scrolling through, much sure Nick Codling. Hello to you, Nick Codling. Hope you are also well. Uh, so don't forget, if you are listening to uh, this glorious uh, podcast in the audio version, and you'd like to see what me, Nev, Matt, and Armando look don't like, do on camera, don't do it. Don't do it. Take yourselves over to YouTube, search for uh, Plain Talking UK. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and the bell icon as well to be notified when we are live, as we are now, and waffling on about aviation stuff as we do each week. We'd love to have you <laughs> in the chat room with us. Come on, we'll be getting told off if we don't start soon because we've got a packed show. I know. So that's uh, <laughs> we're going to move on to our first part of the show, which, as always, is the commercial segment. So well, let's uh, take a look at uh, all the greatest uh, aviation news from across the world and the uk so if everyone's ready yes we are let's go So kicking off this week's first news story comes to us from Av Herald, uh, 6abc.com, airwaysmag.com and also YouTube via Greco-Roman 123. So this one is headlines, Spirit Airlines, Bird Strike and Evacuation. And trust me, you'll want to see this evacuation video. So on the 2nd of October, a Spirit Airlines A320-200, registration November two, uh, 922, November Kilo, performing flight NK3044 from Atlantic City, um, to Fort Lauderdale uh, was accelerating for takeoff from Atlantic City's runway 31 when the crew rejected the takeoff at low speed at around 60 knots over the ground, advising they had struck a bird on the right-hand engine, uh, which was a Pratt & Whitney 1127G, and was stopping on the runway. The aircraft slowed safely and stopped on the runway around 550 metres or 1,800 feet down the runway. Uh, the tower queried whether the aircraft knew any assistance the crew replied roll the trucks please a short while later the tower advised there appeared to be fire underneath the engine the crew acknowledged the uh, fire bell was audible in the background of that transmission and about a minute later advised they were evacuating the aircraft 
Uh, six ABC reported two injuries from the total of 102 passengers and seven crew members who were on board at the time. And um, obviously, before they evacuated this um, this burning aircraft, obviously, the passengers had to grab uh, their bags and coats and passports, tablets, iPhone chargers, um, you know, woolly hats, gloves. And uh, Nev, I think they I think they pretty much covered everything, didn't they? they um, Oh, it's, I, I can't find the words, Carlos, really. Um, I think if you wanted the definition of how not to evacuate an aircraft from a passenger point of view, uh, you've just seen it there. Uh, it's been absolutely awful. I'm reminded back in 1985 when uh, yes. uh, British Air Tours uh, 28 Mike, I seem to recall, uh, mm. rejected a takeoff, which was in the high-speed regime and not in the low-speed regime. And many people lost their lives uh, because of panic and various other things going on in the cabin. And um, I don't think anybody needs reminding, do they, on this show, that uh, should something happen like this, you follow the, the crew's instructions and you leave everything behind. I just love, there's, there's no urgency. I'm just watching the video. No urgency. There's, there's people sitting there filming her. Oh, there's, again, there's people <laughs> taking stuff out. Of, I mean, how many times have we got to go over this? So for those listening on the audio version, we'll make sure that the, the links to the videos are, uh, are in there as well. But people are just, like, taking their stuff. I mean, they've been told to evacuate. I mean, there's no urgency at all. Oh, oh, oh I'm, I'm being told uh, that, that at this point they haven't been told to evacuate. But they're still getting all their stuff out Rucksacks, of the overhead bins and stuff like that. It's just bonkers. I could also say, uh, despite the fact there's so many people filming, uh, the, the camera work is appalling. It is appalling. <laughs> and <laughs> standards yeah. have just not been maintained right. here. Okay. Yeah, this is it. I, I mean, I mean Dirk... Is this the uh, the uh, Dirk S in the chat room is saying? Do they have to drag their bags? I mean, drag out their bags. I mean, it's just. <laughs> I, I just don't. I don't. I, I just don't uh, get it. It's just the aircraft is on fire. There's there's been a problem. All right, bird strike. Engine's gone. You know, there was some impressive flames going on earlier. You know, it's just like you just want to get out, don't you? I mean, I, I don't get it. Why? What? What is so precious in that bag? You know, than a what? I mean, how much is a how much is a tablet these days? Like an iPad? Oh, hang on. I'm, I think we're about to get the uh, some of the audio. Yeah, let's bring the audio up now. Oh, oh the guy's just opening his bag yeah. just to make sure he's got See, his look, iPod. Do you hear that? They're being told leave everything behind. Yeah, they've got their phones, they've got all their bags and stuff. Nobody's paying any attention. I love, I love there's a woman there who's still got her neck pillow round yes, her neck yes. for, I mean, for, to, for comfort, extra comfort. Well, you know, when evacuating, you need to be comfortable. <laughs> there, there's, there's, there, there's no two ways about it. Anyway, I'm going to start oh, watching this video now God. because it's just going to annoy me, uh, I'll be honest. Um, and uh, we, we do have some pictures here. Um, yeah, there, there was something very odd about this in that the, the captain halfway through the evacuation explained that uh, they had ingested a bird, I think, down the number two engine. Now, technical details like that are fascinating for the likes of us, us but, yeah. but in the middle of an evacuation, I'm, I'm not sure that's the right thing to be talking about because you are distracting the passengers from the job in hand. And I would have to say that the airline that I fly on almost exclusively um, are 
the the crew that I've seen in the training videos and other other bits and pieces I've been privileged to see, the crew, the cabin crew are extremely aggressive about getting people out of the aircraft, mm. and they intimidate the passengers. Not even in a nice way. They are getting out. Yeah, um, out. And yeah. uh, I, I, I'm not really seeing that from this particular it, cabin do, crew. Do you, do you uh, think but, the instructions that the captain is doing it to to uh, give some kind of calm, maybe sort of say this is why that almost to say like this is why this has happened, or or is he trying no, to pass uh, the buck? Well, no, or? I think to be fair, and actually, John, I was about to say this, and John Jester in the chat room has mentioned it. Very true. You don't want to rush out until the command is given, because obviously, uh, eng- uh, you know, once you've secured the engine, that's fine. But these engines don't just stop. You know, they they do take some running down, yeah. and you don't want to <laughs> evacuate into a you know a live uh, running engine. Um, no, true. So, uh, but um, you know, here we are being Monday morning quarterbacks over it and our armchair yeah. experts. But uh, mm. from, from what I have seen, it was yeah. not the best evacuation. Jo- Jonathan Warner's comment, I think, is my, my personal favourite. Is, is he said I'd be slamming fingers shut in the overheads if people were doing that one on the flight. I'm very much with about you. How about this? You know, on all of our cars these days, we have a central locking system. Yes. yes. Wouldn't it be nice <gasps> if someone had a nice big relay or solenoid or something on the flight deck, which activated all of those uh, things? Overhead bins. So, yeah. in the overhead bins, so people th- could not open them. <laughs> I think that they've, they've talked about this before, I think, on, mm. uh, on some of the forum sites about having that system in place. I think it has been looked at, Nev, funnily enough, as yeah. a... As a device, yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, I mean, you know, uh, this is, I mean, fortunately as well, it was a, you know, relatively low speed, or it was in the, the low speed regime of the takeoff roll. And, um, you know, it was only a bird going through mm. the engine. It, you know, it was nothing more than that. So it did look a bit dramatic, I concede. But uh, no, there's there's some, uh, as Martin Brundle, who commentates on the Formula One, would say in this country, people need to take a sensible pill. <laughs> that, that British Midland one, Nev, that was uh, that was a seven three seven two hundred, if you remember. Mm. Uh, that, the, so the, BA, the, the BA uh, British yeah. Airways one, yeah. yes, that yeah. Was yeah. British Air Tours, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was far more dramatic, um, yeah. and actually, in that case, people were not able to get out quickly. Um, mm. And I think since that, there was some, a lot of aircraft design changes to uh, allow more room for people to escape. But but nonetheless, this this is a a different thing together, I, I would say. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, D- Matt, D- sorry, D- Dirk oh, S has actually got a yeah a lot of love for your idea, Nev. Actually, uh, Dirk S is a big fan of it. Uh, uh, Ma- uh, I think Michael was suggesting. Uh, oh no, sorry, Richard Adams was suggesting that you electrify the catches as per an electric fence. I think that would be quite successful. <laughs> yes, a quick as four hundred fifteen well. volts <laughs> yep. uh, would be nice. Yeah, that indeed. Would do the job. Uh, or another crazily, crazily simple idea. How about Cattle if Air- no, no, Tony S is saying, how about if airlines don't rip off their customers? customers for checking in a suitcase there'd be less luggage in the cabin oh tony well I done mean, tony that's that's a that's a <laughs> i mean that's a bit too sensible isn't it i mean that's mm, that's clearly where we're going wrong there uh anyway anyway yes, so matt indeed. you've got the next story and i love to personally hold my donuts when i eat them but you're going to talk about contactless food 
Right. Okay. I mean, that's uh, that's a that's a bit of a, a challenge, I suppose. <laughs> anyway, uh, the headline is United expands contactless food and beverage sales with new PayPal integration. Uh, so this is from the pointsguy.com. There's a new way to pay for your food and drinks on United. The Chicago-based carrier unveiled a new integration with PayPal on Wednesday, the sixth of October, allowing passengers to use the company's mobile app as a form of payment in flight. Now, this is a really good idea, I'm sorry. Uh, If you have the PayPal mobile app downloaded on your phone, you can open it to display a QR code that's tied to your account. When a flight attendant gets to your row, you'll be able to display the QR code and purchase any of the buy-on-board offerings which will be charged to your selected payment method within the PayPal app. This new technology is rolling out on select flights departing, departing from the airline Chicago O'Hare hub in November, followed later this year by all flights across the network where contactless payment is available. Due due to the pandemic, United exclusively accepts contactless payments on board purchases. Uh, When uh, a flight attendant passes by your row, you're asked if you want to purchase a snack or a drink. If you do, the crew pulls up your profile on a mobile tablet and charges to your charge charged charges to your stored payment method receipts are emailed keeping the purchase process completely touchless in line with guidance from the cleveland clinic until now you needed to pre-select and update your preferred method of payment in the united mobile app before travel if you wanted to purchase an item in flight with the new paypal integration however you don't need to be connected to wi-fi or pre-authorize a saved credit card to make in-flight purchases while this is definitely an improvement somewhat surprisingly the airline hasn't invested in accepting contactless payment uh, contactless mobile payments like apple pay which can also be processed without an internet connection now surely what am i missing a point here now because you don't you don't necessarily have to have been signed up to apple pay in order to take a contactless payment or am i misunderstanding something no you don't you don't uh, no. it, I mean, it depends on what platform your phone is as well well uh, yes of course um, um but you've got to have, you've got to have the credit card details obviously yes yeah, yeah yeah but i mean i mean if I, you know if I, I i mean i can do this because it doesn't show much on my 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 phone but if i if i do the double click sort of thing he says being on the wrong camera obviously that doesn't help um you know it gives gives me the card that i use and and there we are, and then I can just touch it on the thing. Surely that's no different to a contactless card, or am I missing something no, here? No, I think that's Apparently, I'm being told it is different with Apple Pay and, and the Google Google Pay. Oh, well, there we are. You learn something new every day. Well, there we go. Um, but... well, I thought, always thought the good thing about PayPal is if you buy something and, in, and it goes a bit sort of <clears throat> wrong... Mm that PayPal get your money back for you if things go... Uh, yes, they so, can do. So if you if you buy a panini and you don't like your warm panini, you take a bite and you say, oh, no, I don't like this. Right. <laughs> Will you get your money back? Um, I don't think that's how it works. Yeah. John is saying, are we comparing the United with Ryanair now? Is this what's going on in our ears? Oh, dear. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Never Probably mind. Not. Anyway, not Nev, idea. save us, please. So, Nev, 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 <laughs> tell us what's going on with BA. 
More good news, I'm pleased to say. Yes. The A380 is returning to service. Uh, this is on the onemileatatime.com website. Uh, around the beginning of the pandemic, BA grounded its fleet of 12 Airbus A380s. After rumours circulating for some time, the airline has now officially outlined plans to bring back five of these aircraft in the coming weeks. Uh, in November, BA will operate the A380 on short-haul routes for crew familiarisation purposes, uh, whilst these routes have not been publicly confirmed by the airline or loaded into the, no- the November schedule. It's widely expected that these will be uh, on the morning uh, London to Frankfurt and afternoon London to Madrid routes. That London to Madrid route happens to be on the day after uh, we come back from Madrid, which is a bit of a nuisance, but uh, (laughs) never mind. Um, But after flying these routes for several weeks, the A380 will be returning to the long haul sectors and the plane has now officially been loaded into the schedule for the following flights. So from December the 3rd, they'll be operating the aircraft to Dubai. Uh, The 5th of December, uh, they'll be operating it to Miami. And on the 9th of December, it's going to go to Los Angeles. So initially, there'd been reports that BA would also fly the A380 to uh, Dallas uh, DFW. Uh, That's not been reflected in the official announcement from the airline, but potentially due to issues with uh, A380 gate space there, perhaps. Um, These routes clearly clearly reflect that the US is planning to open to vaccinated travellers from around the world. Dubai is also an obvious choice, given that Brits love the warm winters in the UAE and Expo 2020, of course, is on right now. Uh, However, without having a cabin refresh, the new BA club suites, the massively improved business class product, which is available on the uh, airline's A350s, selected 777s and 787s, they'll not be available on the A380. And whilst these aircraft do feature first class, amenities such as bars, lounges, showers, etc. are also not installed uh, as with uh, other uh, A380s operated by other airlines. But, however, the real winners are the economy class passengers where these aircraft provide superior spacious economy class experience compared with other aircraft, which is true, although I've yet to fly on them. Um, But uh, with uh, travel restrictions being lifted across the Atlantic for vaccinated travellers... Uh, they're also bringing back the, their biggest transatlantic schedule since March 2020. Uh, so uh, they'll be offering five daily frequencies to New York and then eight as of December. Uh, they'll be often operating double daily flights to Boston, Chicago, Dallas, Los Angeles, Miami, San Francisco, Toronto and Washington. And they'll also be offering offering daily services to Atlanta, Denver, Houston, Philadelphia, Phoenix and Seattle. And in October and November, they're going to restart services to Austin, Baltimore, Las Vegas, Orlando, uh, San Diego and Tampa. And in December, British Airways will restart flights to Nashville and New Orleans, which is fantastic news. And I hope it would be nice if in January they were going to restart them to <laughs> Portland, Oregon, because that would be a nice to have a direct flight to uh, where my firm's HQ are. But uh, we'll mm. try to go through Seattle normally. But uh, anyway, uh, things are looking a lot better, I'm pleased to say. I'm absolutely delighted they're bringing the aircraft back as well. I think uh, mm. uh, we've missed that aircraft uh, definitely uh, from BA. So it's brilliant, brilliant news. And it looks glorious in the BA's uh, I think it does. Livery. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. So, uh next story then. This one comes to us from aviationtoday.com, jal.co.jp, airfleet.net 
and businesswire.com. And uh, this one is actually good news for all the lovers of the uh, Boeing 767. I know it's a an aging aircraft now, but uh, Japan Airlines upgrades flight deck displays on its 767-300s. So Japan Airlines is upgrading its Boeing 767-300 fleet with drop-in liquid crystal displays, or LCDs, supplied by Thomas Global Systems, according to a new announcement from the Sydney, Australia based avionics maker the display series being supplied for the fleet upgrade the tfd 7000 recently received approval for supplemental type certification from the japan civil aviation bureau uh, they said that we are honoured that Japan Airlines has chosen our TFD 7000 series to upgrade their 767 flight decks. Angus Hutchison, CEO of Thomas Global, said in an October 5th press release. We look forward to providing JAL with the dependable and high-integrity technology service and support our customers and partners have come to expect from Thomas Global. According to Thomas Global, among their TFD 7000 series, the TFD 7076 or 7000 and 66 LCD displays are both interchangeable and intermixable with the existing legacy EDU 776s and 766 CRT displays that are installable on overnights or at the gate and are fully compatible with the EFIP 701s and EAP 701-3s, Boeing symbol generators. The company has also received type certification on the TFD 7000 display series for the Boeing 757, 767 and 737 Classic flight decks from the FAA, EASA, Transport Canada, JCAB, ANAC and the CAAC. The display upgrade for JAL comes amid a recent expansion of its international network plans to include additional 767-300 flights. According to airfleets.net, JAL operates 31 767s with an average age of 14 and a half years. Now, it's good to see um, that they are upgrading these um, flight deck displays on these 76s. I mean, 14 and a half years, obviously not an old for an aircraft, but um, those old CRT displays, Nev, I mean, they, they must look, well, compared to these LCD displays. Not very well, bright, yes. and uh, Do you remember, actually, even on the 747 flight deck that you and I were on mm. when we yeah. came back from Dubai, um, I think they were LCD displays, or, or were they CRTs? can't remember. But uh, uh, at the end of the flight, they, they uh, um, uh, dim all of the displays to stop the display burning. And obviously, in a CRT world, that's a real big problem mm. so lcd or, or and now led displays are much better but the the old crt displays uh, with, with static images on them uh, you could very easily burn uh, the display mm. into the uh, into the unit itself so no great to see there's a refresh and i do like the 76 it's a yeah great aircraft although actually you you can still burn an lcd can't you uh, yes, you can actually. I, yeah, um, I, I I left a graphic on. I can't remember what, how come it was. I'd left a like some channel that had gone offline or something like that. And so you know, like with the the digital um, channels and stuff now, they'll pop off and pop a graphic up if the station is offline. And I fell asleep basically with that graphic on. And the following morning on on the LCD screen, it had burnt an image into it. 
Yes, Tony S says, is CRT like an old tube TV? Indeed it is, Tony. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Ray tube, that's exactly what it is. That is precisely uh, it, yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, and so, well, it, it's it's great to see that there's some uh, some refresh going on. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah, updating yeah. as well, as you say. Yeah, it's, it's nice a, to see uh, it, Japan Airlines keeping these aircons. I, I don't know why it's, uh, perhaps it's my, dis, you know, I, I, the 767, it just sounds like uh, an old aircraft to me, as I say, but clearly not if they're only like 14... And yet, I don't think that of the seven threes. I suppose. No, it is. Yeah, it is funny, an old airframe, it? Matt. You're right. It is an old airframe. The seven mm. six is, is. I mean, updated you know... versions are available, of course. No, but... yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Delta, Delta. I think yeah. they've got rid of their Dash four hundreds now. Delta <laughs> Airlines had. Um, the uh, Dash 400 767. Sorry, uh, John Jester's just said in the chat room, he's saying uh, they cheaped out, probably running out of stock on the old CRT monitors. That's why they're moving over to LCD. Yeah. That's probably exactly what's going on there, let's be honest. There we go. There goes, there goes the illusion. <laughs> I think I think until the uh, 777 came along, Nev, that the 76 was probably one of Boeing's um, best... Uh, Oh, it's, it, yeah, it's a phenomenal aircraft, and also yeah. with the ability to have type ratings on the seven five as well. Yeah. Mm, um, yeah. And you know the seven six. I mean, I, I've uh, what was the longest flight I did on that? I think it was Copenhagen to Tokyo. I did on an SAS seven six seven, and that was thirteen and a half hours. I think it was wow. something like that, or yeah. around that. And yeah, it's it's a bit of a slog. But of course, you know, the BA were using the seven six on the London to Edinburgh routes as well. So mm. it's an incredibly versatile aircraft for yeah, short, medium and, and long haul. And long haul. And, of course, one of the things that Michael was just saying in the chat room there is, of course, the weight saving, of course, with an LCD versus a CRT because they yeah, can be true. quite heavy, can't they? Yeah. And, and heat as well, I suppose, Matt. Would it be heat? There's less heat with an LCD display? Mm, I or... don't know. I think the LCD panels are surprisingly warm, aren't they? Because mm. um, yeah. you, because troubles you've got with LCD panels, although you, although the screen itself doesn't get warm, you do have inverters which do get hot, um, which is how you, how you power mm. them up. So I, I, I would argue there's probably not much difference there. Anyway, uh, shall okay. we move on to yeah, the next Matt, story? Yeah. Um, this is interesting. I'd, I'd love to see this happen. Flying using thin air. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, so simpleflying.com is where we've got this story from, and the headline is Lufthansa wants to start making. Plane fuel from thin air. Wow. Um, across the industry, there is a push for sustainability. Just this week, IATA uh, approved a resolution for the global air transport industry to achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2050. Uh, the Lufthansa Group has entered into a partnership to buy electricity-based kerosene. Uh, the airline will be one of the first customers of this sustainable aviation fuel, SAF, uh, from here this moment on. Alongside the logistics firm uh, Kuhn-Nagel, uh, rep, uh, representatives of Lufthansa and uh, is it Kuhn? Kuhn Nagel? I'm not yeah, quite Kuhn Nagel. Kuhn Nagel. Uh, we're in attendance at the SAF plant uh, opening in Germany this week. You may be wondering how this company intends to make fuel from thin air. Uh, so the very simple version starts with electricity being produced from renewable sources. This electricity is then used to complete uh, the electrolysis of water. This essentially uses electricity to break water molecules down into hydrogen and oxygen. A synthetic processing procedure takes CO2 out of the atmosphere and combines it with hydrolysis, uh, a hyd- yeah, hydrolysis project. 
to create fuel. This fuel is then transported to the airport where it is loaded onto the plane. Theoretically, these fuels can be produced without availability limits through currently, uh, although currently these fuels are only available in laboratory size quantities. Uh, when the plane burns the fuel, the carbon dioxide captured to make the fuel is re-released. It is classed as sustainable as there is no net increase of carbon into the atmosphere with the fuel. To start with, Lufthansa will take at least 25,000 litres of fuel per year for at least five years. While it sounds like a lot, this is just a drop in the ocean. Uh, the airline recently revealed that its most efficient aircraft, the Airbus, Airbus A350, burns roughly 2.9 litres of fuel per passenger per 100 kilometres. Or to put it another way, 25,000 litres is under 20% of the fuel capacity of one A350. Clearly, this won't have a significant impact on the industry in such small amounts. However, airlines must commit to taking these fuels uh, to make them more accessible. SAFs have been locked in a vicious cycle uh, because they are produced in such small amounts. They are expensive to make. Uh, because they're expensive to make, they're costly to buy, meaning demand is low. Because of this, because it's this low, it, because is was low, uh, small amounts are made and so on and so forth uh, i mean you get the picture here isn't it i mean it's uh i guess at this stage it, it's a glorified um experiment isn't it uh Mike as, has, uh, as tony s says in the chat room it's magic Matt. Uh, quite. Yes, fair enough. Uh, Mike is also <laughs> just magic. Now that's magic. And uh, Mike is saying does this mean that they're going to be uh serving curry on board? Oh. Uh, yeah, Captain Al's going to be on the flight deck providing oh, oh, the um, Oh, is he? Additional... Right, OK. Yeah. Uh, flying with air from Captain Al, Richard uh, Bell has suggested. Yeah, well done, Rick. Converting curry <laughs> to jet fuel. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a win-win situation, really. <laughs> Actually, a, a, quick, a quick hello to uh, the, uh, the few that have uh, joined us here uh, in the last uh, sort of 10, 15 minutes. Rick Bell, hello to you, Rick. And also Dave Abbey. Hello to you, Dave Abbey. Oh, wow. And uh, Stewie Hi, Thomas Dave. as well. Hello to you, Stewie. Gosh, yes. It's, um, yes, it was It was November. I, we're rapidly getting around. It must be like four years since I said, because I say I met, met up with Dave Abbey in um, in New York in November, didn't I? Blimey. I know. Time flies, doesn't it? Anyway, Time flies. Sorry, slightly, anyway. Slightly off topic. Nev. Yeah. Nev. I, <laughs> um, I am looking oh, forward, Nev. No, no. Abort. Abort. I'm oh, sorry. I've just seen Micah's uh, comments oh, in the that? chat room. It says it's a wind-wind situation. Oh, Micah. <laughs> Ah. Now, Nev will be very proud of that one, I suspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah quite. Absolutely. Carry night. Anyway, uh, oh so Nev, I'm looking forward to your um, thoughts on your next story. I don't know if you remember on the, on the BBC years ago, you were not allowed to comment on the news, but oh. I, I think I may have to comment. Oh no! On this later. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, it's, but it's... it is on the Daily Mail, <laughs> and it's on TikTok, and it's on Instagram. Uh, it says as follows, a first class passenger who is left horrified at the unacceptable oh conditions on a £4,000 British Airways flight is urging travellers to fly with other airlines. Ooh. Jarvis Marcos was flying first class from Mexico to London with his girlfriend, Kamara Harding, when he experienced the shockingly bad standards, which included dripping water from the aircon. That can happen. 
and sticky liquid on tray tables. That's a whole different conversation, which we can't talk about on this show. <laughs> family show, ladies and gentlemen, family Mr. show. Marcos, who flies upwards of 100,000 miles per year, runs a luxury travel review website and a travel agency, and flies in first or business class reviewing airlines and hotels. However, the luxury traveller was left particularly disgusted at the stale and overcooked in-flight meals and unclean seats. In addition, the metal framework of his seat was visible through the padding and it didn't recline fully into a bed due to an apparent malfunction. The 37-year-old compared what his age is to do with it. I don't know, but it's (laughs) male, so they have to say his age. Uh, The 37-year-old compared his BA video with footage of his first-class flights on other airlines to show off what service he enjoyed, including bottles of Dom Perignon champagne and mounds of caviar. I'd like to define what a mound of (laughs) caviar is. Uh, Mr Marcos claimed the journey would have cost £4,000 without his air miles. Uh, and he was left stunned when the airline offered £150 per person e-vouchers to him and his girlfriend, stating that they dealt with the case fairly and appropriately. They offered me £150 per person as compensation for all of the issues uh, we had, which implies that the experience was only £150 away from the ideal experience the BA would hope you would have had. It's unacceptable, he said. There's no reason why a paying customer in any cabin should expect a seat that isn't clean or has air conditioning dripping on them. I would just point out that he did not pay £4,000 for this flight. He used uh, Air Mars, as far as I can work out from the story. Uh, However, on Instagram, Marcos did say that the crew were fantastic, though, very proactive and jovial. Many were returning to the sky after a long furlough period, and they seemed genuinely delighted to be flying again. That is certainly my experience with BA, and that's what I found in the last uh, few months when I've been flying with them, certainly. Anyway, a spokesman for BA said, we've apologised to Mr Marcos and are investigating what went wrong, as his experience clearly didn't meet our usual high standards on this occasion. And that's absolutely fair and reasonable. uh, But to say that um, uh, passengers should uh, fly on other airlines Mm. because of this one-off experience is a bit wide of the mark, in my opinion. I mean, the, the, clearly something's not 100% right here, is there? I mean, for example, there is there is the issue of, uh, you know, like, the, I mean, the seat had clearly got a bit of a problem with it. It needs a bit of a refresh or something like that, mm. I guess. Um, in terms of, like, the cleanliness of, of, like, tray tables and stuff, I mean, these things are easily missed, aren't they? I mean, it's just like... Yeah, and it, you know, I've got to just remember here that it's not BA that are cleaning the aircraft. It's there, and this is down route, isn't it? Mm. So this is Mexico to London. Yeah. So it's whoever they use for ground handling at the other yeah. end. Now, at the end of the day, it's their operation. It's sort of BA's operation. So yeah, it's their the cabin services director yeah. and ultimately the captain has to be happy happy with the condition of the aircraft mm. before it comes out. I get all that. Um, is it a showstopper? I don't think so. No, no, no. My, my my only view on this, Nev, I, I don't know what you think, but, you know, after what's been going on over the last 18 months with the industry as it is, a lot of these aircraft have been sitting, laid up, not doing much and moving. Do you not think that it, 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 this should have been picked up on while the aircraft was grounded and sorted? I yes. don't know. I think the thing is that the, the most important part of uh, the operation after you bring uh, bringing an aircraft out of storage is the safety and reliability of it. 
probably uh, it would be nice if everything in the cabin was absolutely spotless and was perfect but inevitably that may not be the case uh, but i think to bleat on about it the way he has um is uh, well i wouldn't have done it and if i if i ran a review site and yeah. uh, i could afford to travel first and business class everywhere i would certainly not be um saying that but that's I, him and it's you know it's his uh, i have nothing but good things to say about we, when all the times that we've traveled with ba they have been exceptional including the time i flew with you with ba nev the crews were fantastic very polite very well um you know mannered crews yeah. and staff and i've got and the food was also bloody lovely as well Ned. yeah so, <laughs> I, I, I honestly i mean i know it's just me and you talking and i obviously i'm yeah. very biased indeed and i do accept that but um you know the the, the crews have just been great and let's be honest you know that they've been out of work for, for so long um, and I'm just pleased to see that they're gradually getting back into the air, and especially on these uh, longer haul sectors as well, uh, especially to the US uh, coming up. So, so, so genuinely, Nev. I mean, obviously, because you know this is this has been paid for by Air Miles, so mm. you you know you don't get a discount with Air Miles because that's not how it works, is it? Mm. So, realistically, what sort of money would you normally play pay for that sort of sector? Well, probably, um, yeah. As it's in, in first, it's probably four thousand pounds in business. Okay. It's probably yeah. two and a half, two thousand eight hundred pounds, maybe something like that. So, you know, it, it's not a cheap ticket. No, um, and therefore, yeah, you do expect a minimum standard of cleanliness yeah. in the cabin, and, yeah. and that's reasonable. But um, um, I, the thing is, I. It's probably just me, so I apologise for this as well. I don't really mind too much. Now, if the, if this something is really bad, then I'll probably yeah, yeah, have, yeah. A, have a chat with them about mm. it. But honestly, um, the fact that we're doing 600 miles an hour through the air um, <laughs> and I'm sipping me champagne yes, or, or, or yeah. diving into my mounds of caviar well, quite. Uh, on other airlines <laughs> if I flew them, um, I, I think is nothing yeah. short of a miracle. Bearing in mind, we've only been flying for, is it 112 True. years now? True. whatever it is you know now a so, couple of comments i want yeah. to, to to highlight in the chat room there Stu, stewie actually said something along the lines of basically i've got a family uh you know some wet wipes will do <laughs> uh yeah so stewie thomas that. says i have a family so wet wipes are always on hand to take care of it and one of the uh the 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 next one i saw i think i can't remember from from Dirk or someone like that, and it w- it was along the lines of like you know oh, I think it was Richard Adams said um, uh, you know just why not ask and they'll come and wipe your table for you. I, mean, I know it was it, Dirk. Dirk uh, said, it was why not, yeah why not why ask, not just clean, clean my, my tray, tray and be done with it yeah, absolutely um, you know yeah. and then I think Micah had something to to say as well which which was worth a read but uh, yeah so I must say though that uh, the prices one pays for business or first class even if it's miles service should be close to perfect it's not like and Tony S says Nev is furious if he gets seat 2A uh, never point. mind bad service good point good point well Actually, he does have a point there yeah he does <laughs> have a point yes. I, I can't really yeah. uh, say anything about yeah. that so so clear, clearly uh, clearly the mark has been missed but uh, yes as you say it could have been so better handled by you could, know what yeah. in flight let's be honest you know okay yeah. the seat's unfortunate anyway we must move on so the next story uh, to us, actually talking about crews, next story comes to us from Reuters.com. And this is about a Ukrainian airline that ditches skirts and high heels 
for loose suits and sneakers or trainers Ooh. if you live in the UK. Uh, so Alexandrina Dinyansko, a f- senior flight attendant with seven years experience, says she sometimes does not get a spare minute to sit down during a flight and dreams of resting her swollen legs after a, uh, spending hours wearing heels. So Sky Up Airlines, the privately owned Ukrainian carrier that employs Dinyansko, uh, decided to put an end to heels and pencil skirts after collecting feedback from flight attendants about their uniforms the new sky up uniform for women now includes nike sneakers or trainers if you're in the uk and uh, a loose orange suit with trousers and a silk scarf both made by ukrainian brands and white t-shirts will replace blouses shoes on heels look beautiful she says i do not argue with that but i feel and suffer swell by the end of a flight sneakers or trainers are absolutely cool she's uh, told reuters uh, god forbid but if a crew has to do a landing in water and evacuation in heels can damage the uh, ladder or the inflatable uh, exit slide and it won't be very comfortable to swim in a skirt she said the company said they researched the history of cabin crew uniforms and decided to ditch what they call conservative elements of flight attendants looks braids will now replace a tight bun or ponytail uh, ponytail hairstyle they said that we found out that despite the fact that the image of female flight attendants is very romanticized, their job demands a lot of physical training. The head of the Skype Airlines marketing department, Mariana Grosh, said the new uniforms will be officially launched in October on the 22nd. Groyrash says the company also plans to launch the new uniform for male crew, a light suit instead of a vest and a T-shirt instead of a shirt to be combined with a pair of black Nike sneakers or trainers, if you live in the UK. Uh, if the whole world and our all fashionistas wear sneakers, why not bring it into aviation, flight attendant Zoriana said. <laughs> what do you think, guys? I mean, uh, f- um, we know a few um, cabin crew and... You know, after a seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve-hour flight, I'd imagine walking up and down on said high heels or shoes with you know a, a hard sole is probably not the best feeling for your feet. <sighs> am I? I'm perhaps perhaps I'm too old-fashioned for this conversation, but am I? I I can't help but feel that standards are being lowered here. I don't know how Nev. Feels about my this, my only my only know. bug is that the guys wearing t-shirts because I will say I would prefer to wear a shirt if, if it was up to me. Hmm. Nev, I think the uh, certainly the the color would suit a very well known low cost carrier, wouldn't it? True, yeah. true that, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Very well. And on a safety note, you know, the crews wouldn't have to wear a high vis jacket if they were outside the aircraft. <laughs> no, they they still would need to wear a high vis jacket. That's, that's, you, you need really? The, well, no, because you need the reflective properties. That's what the high vis jacket is all about, you nana. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, 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 Tony says that's ridiculous. They look like they've escaped from Guantanamo <laughs> Bay. Yeah, it may have a point there. Uh, but uh, yeah, actually, I mean, we should, they're not the only people making changes, are they? Uh, to be fair, we do have uh, some other examples of uh, some uh, costume changes, shall we say. Uh, so, 
yeah so the these uh these images uh say so these are people who have made changes made changes in the yeah. past uh so uh so this is uh the Icelandic airline uh play um now as i say to describe this basically again it's the guys t-shirt so it's, it's basically it's a suit with a, with a t-shirt isn't it and to, mm. other than the 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 color really i mean the men and the women are essentially wearing uh, the same outfit, aren't they? Although the women are in red and and the men are in. Oh, June! Um, I love the June. The June. Oh, do you? Uniform. Okay, let yeah, me let go me with the June one. I'll leave you to describe this one then. The 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 June uniform. This this one is like, uh, you know, you, yeah. Mm. We discuss discuss this on episode one seven four. But this is this June uniform is like you were just literally going down the gym. You know, you're wearing some shorts, <laughs> a t shirt, right, or some leggings. Yeah. You know, it's. It's, I mean, it, it's it's more casual than casual. Was it? I mean, was it? I mean, it was a millennial airline. I mean, was it a low cost airline? Because I, I, yeah. I wouldn't be at all surprised if you saw outfits like this. And yet, ironically, in my honest opinion, to say someone like Ryanair, for example, football but, football team on tour, on Stewie tour, Thomas exactly. says. <laughs> let's, let's see what Nev thinks about Cebu. Oh, really? Oh, Cebu. Oh, there we go. Oh, oh dear. Oh, yeah. What do you think, know. Nev? It's yeah, it, it's it's IKEA meets the airlines, isn't it? Really? <laughs> uh, it's just, I think that has to go in the category. Well, actually, do you know? Funnily enough, just looking at perhaps just one person on their own, you think actually that that's really quite smart. It's when they're all together, uh, it just looks a, a, a bit much. But uh, you Am know, it, it's you know, it's a nice yellow uh, t-shirt with uh, uh, denim, denim, yeah, denim, denim, and, denim and skirts for the for the ladies. And, but I mean. Um, you know, it, I mean, it's all right. For, forgive, forgive again. Perhaps I'm being old-fashioned here and stuff. I mean, I say, and I was mentioning Ryanair there, for example. You know, who who you would sort of almost expect because it's a low-cost airline would perhaps be more <laughs> up for something like this. But I, I mean, the, the, you know, in my honest opinion, the Ryanair uniform is actually a very, very smart looking uniform. I mean, <laughs> and, I mean, this, I mean, I mean, this one here, as I say, it's like you know, it's like airline meets <laughs> IKEA. Uh, I mean, I I would struggle to differentiate that person from an ordinary member of the public stewie thomas's comment matt especially the, the especially the guy with the yellow t-shirt on and the, i mean he just looks like he's on holiday do you know what stewie, i mean stewie yeah. stewie thomas okay. uh, stewie thomas in the chat room says uh, oh it's the minions <laughs> i'm right uh, okay fair enough yeah, and, and actually micah micah says yeah. That he dresses apparently he, he dresses better than that as a passenger. Well, no, this is this is my point. This is this is the mm. kind of the point that I'm kind of making. You you're sort of struggling to identify, uh, as I say, with with that particular uniform. Sorry, I, I keep going on about this, but as I say, the guy especially. So the 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 women they've got the neckerchief. So at least there is sort of something that. The, degree of the, yeah, professionalism. Well, not even that, but it, it sort of makes you stand out from everyone else. Mm. As I say, but and the guy this will there, be meaningless to anyone that's just listening to the audio podcast. But why are they all doing crocodile uh, <laughs> signs across their left uh, arm? It's ridiculous. They're um, they're corporals, you know, two stripes. Right. Oh. Okay, so we're going to go yeah, to Jin the last, have a look at last one. Let's have a look at Jin Era now. Oh right, okay. Um, now Nev, uh, uh-huh. if you could describe this, this is this is students on a, on a backpacking oh, tour, isn't it? Seriously. <laughs> well, that's exactly the problem. So we've got everybody's in jeans. So yeah. straight away, I'm going. That isn't the crew. That's just some, just, you know, yeah, uh, uh, part of the great unwashed in, in uh-huh. economy. Um, <laughs> Wherever okay. that is in the aircraft, I don't know. Um, and uh, I mean, it's all very well, but uh, this this second picture again, it's just. Uh, 
I'm sorry, it's unprofessional. I really mm. don't like it. And uh, again, when it's all going wrong and we've had a um, you know high-speed reject on the runway or something like that, you need to know who the cabin crew are, don't you? And I think in some instances uh, you might say that um, you wouldn't be able to tell the cabin crew from some of the passengers. No, indeed. Uh, now, weirdly, we've got, we've got an unusual uh, uh, thing here, actually. Uh, Owen's in the chat room. He's just saying, I don't mind the change to shoes, but as for the rest... We saw from Spirit that crew needs to be respected. Good point. Actually, really good point. If I can't be identified as a crew member with authority, it makes your job 10 times harder. And that's actually a really good point, isn't it? Because in an emergency, it's not what I call a conventional airline with their conventional outfit. It's very obvious who the crew are. Yeah. Even if you were wearing a suit, Nev, do you know what I mean? It's still very obvious who the crew are. And I think yeah. that's uh, that's really important, and the Spirit Air, you know, evacuation just just showed that. I mean, the agreed. The, the, the crew, frankly, has to, to dominate the passengers. They, mm. they have to command the the authority. Agreed. And uh, if you if you lose the moment, which I think was lost on this occasion, mm. uh, then you're just going to end up with with the situation. Chaos, absolutely. And, and and I'm sorry, I have to bring this up. I'm so sorry here. Look, yeah, it, it, this is like very much like newsreader school right here. So you've got the captain with his hat jacket shirt tie and then the bottom half it's like if he you know he's like he sat behind it and pair of jeans <laughs> you know it's like one of those it's like you know you it's the sort of it's the bbc newsreader joke isn't it where you know underneath they're wearing shorts or something like mm. that i just it it absolutely perhaps i'm old-fashioned perhaps i'm being too stuffy no, i, th- I think me, in that situation it's absolutely right mm. and um, uh, micah says exactly the right thing as well when captain nick said when he had to come out from the cockpit to talk to a passenger he yeah. would always put on his hat Absolutely. And I remember John Hutchinson uh, telling us this as well, the Concorde captain that we interviewed when mm. he had to uh, intervene on one occasion. Uh, he made sure that he was dressed absolutely appropriately uh, and and just make sure that, you know, uh, you uh, you command your authority. Absolutely. Well, I, well, I tell you what, guys, we've, we've got a whole host of passengers, uh, passengers who listen to this show, um, mm. not just our YouTube, glorious YouTube uh, viewers, but also who listen to our audio podcast. So, if you fancy sending us a feedback, let us know as a passenger how you would prefer to see your crew dressed. Been interesting to hear. Hmm. There we go. We've all calmed down a bit. We've got a bit heated. I know, I know. I know. So I'm, I'm just having a. Be- I'm having a breather. Right? I feel. I feel like I got a bit carried away with myself there. So my sincere apologies to everyone listening. Yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. Good producer, story. Producer good story. John is is quite shocked at the route that took. Really, to be fair, I think so. Uh, anyway, look, we have an announcement that I'm really excited about. I know. Yeah. Um, so we have an announcement to make on the show this mm-hmm. week, and. Uh, in the background, it's been some time in the making. We have had uh, we've had some planning going on, mm. and it's taken a long while. And uh, the team has been putting a lot of effort in to get things sorted and cemented for our four hundredth show. So our four hundredth episode will be on February the twenty sixth. Uh, now this is a Saturday next year, February the uh, February the twenty sixth, and we have this week secured our venue, mm. and we have secured uh, in the UK, obviously our venue, and it is. <laughs> is there a drum roll? I don't <laughs> have a drum roll. No, <laughs> oh, we haven't got a drum roll. Uh, but we are 
having us our 400th episode at the Brooklands Museum, uh, which is just the uh, other side of London here in the UK. Matt's going to put some pictures up on the screen there for those of you watching on YouTube. So that's the 26th of February next year at the Brooklands Museum. We've got a lovely uh, venue to uh, have our live show at. We're going to have lots of special guests Lots of uh, people joining us there. If you want to join us, if you want to be part of that live audience at the Brooklands Museum here in the UK on the 26th of February, you need to send us an email to let us know you want to come because the numbers are a little bit limited. We have got quite a generous uh, uh, audience size um, Mm. for the venue but if you want to come and join me nev matt and armando plus a whole host of other celebrities i should say the podcast armando is joining us here in the uk so armando will be here in the uk absolutely yeah so make Um, sure as i say make sure you're here for no other reason because you're bored of seeing us armando will be in the building he will be (laughs) so put that in your diaries 26 of february next year at brooklyn's museum so obviously if you want to come and join us all for all the live broadcast that day mm. um if you contact us the usual means podcast at plaintalkinguk.com is the email to set address to send and I, I think that so that's what you need to do so basically yeah, if send you, that in. to register your interest then please send us an email podcast yes. at plaintalkinguk.com what we'll do is we'll then obviously get in touch with you with the finalized details obviously nearer the time but as i said no. that's the, that's the date and stuff but only Nev- only by that method please podcast at plain exactly, yes. com. now obviously it's uh quite a journey for especially for me and matt to go and it's obviously a quite a big journey for a lot of our guests who are flying in from various parts of the, the world so nev has got the next piece of news on uh, where uh, you can stay haven't you nev yes i have and right next to the museum is the brooklands hotel uh, which is a very nice hotel indeed uh, and we have negotiated some special rates with them uh, they're just about to send them through to us in the next couple of days and we'll be give uh, we'll be able to give people in the email the voucher code uh, to give you some preferential rates um, just to let you know where brooklyn's is it's to the southwest uh, of uh, London, just off, off the M25, the Orbital Road, and it's a, about uh, 15, 20 minutes drive to Heathrow, something like that. I uh, already took uh, Captain Jeff there from the APG show a few years ago when he came over to Farnborough. Uh, he had a thoroughly wonderful time. Uh, there's some other things there as well that you can do, uh, which you will have to pay for if you want to, to go there. Uh, but there's the Concord Simulator. Uh, there is also Mercedes-Benz World right next to it as well. So if if you have a penchant for expensive German cars, <laughs> uh, then that is your place to go. Well, and I tell you what, the, the, the trip round Mercedes-Benz World is is just worth it. Uh, it really is. So um, uh, we haven't got any sort of preferential rates going on there or anything like that. But definitely have a look at the other things that are there. But the museum itself is a really interesting place to, to, to look round. Fascinating. Yeah, Mike is asking uh, what town that's in there. Yep, that's in Waybridge, Surrey. So that's W-E-Y Bridge, Waybridge, Surrey. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it'll be a great time. Uh, so we are really looking forward to it. I say that's only just all come together in the, in the last week or so. But we, have been, we have been working on it since oh, about episode yes, 320 yeah. by, by the sounds of okay, things. It but, 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 
it but would Nev, have... you've got you've, you've got some promo codes secured, haven't you? Coming soon for yes, anyone we're who wants to book a hotel. We'll release those when the hotel's given them uh, to them. So when you write in, and if you need accommodation, you're paying for it yourself. Firstly, we've got to say that right up front, but our funds do not run to that. Uh, but we can help you with some preferential rates, which uh, when we get the voucher code, we will let you have when we reply to your email. Indeed. Uh, apparently, our email has got a problem with it at the moment, so I'm going to frantically try and mend that. Oh, uh, it looks like the our host, our host provider has gone down. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> oh, I've, I've just received two emails. That's Have you? Bad point, okay. Yeah, I've got I've got an email from uh, Benjamin Todd and Richard Adams. Okay. All right. Uh, as I say. Uh, okay. Yep. Um, so, well. There's definitely something not right because. Why don't we worry about that later? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Wo- I'll work it all out. There's. It, it is working. We obviously we we do seem to the 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 hosting company's uh, service has just gone down. That's why. Um. I, I. You know. Anyway, we'll get that solved. So yeah. keep, keep trying is all I would say. Uh, it'll get. Yeah. Send soon. send your emails yeah. in. We'd love to have you join us there and yeah. uh, on that day. And obviously we'll we've, we've still got a few yeah. more things to sort out for that uh, that particular day. We will obviously have a a kind of a probably get together at some yeah. restaurant. Somewhere the other thing we're going to try and do as well is, uh, and I should have mentioned this earlier, is that uh, we're going to be inviting special uh, guests, yes. people that you might know from the podcast and aviation world on, on Twitter and things like that. Uh, we haven't invited them yet, so we'll have to see who accepts. But we're going to try and get a, a star guest to do a bit of a presentation to you mm. as well, if we can do that. So, um, Indeed. yeah, lots of excitement and lots of planning still to do. But at least it's in the diary now. So that's Saturday, the 26th of February. And the email address which you need to send your request to uh, is podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. There we go. Well done. Thank you, Nev. So that's our big announcement. Oh, it's all exciting. It's all actually going on. Indeed. Honestly, I'm, I'm nervous now. No, you've yeah, absolutely. That's got to do something. We've got, God. we've got, to, we've got to perform again, people. Oh, I'm, no, I'm sure we'll manage. Uh, so, Nev. What's coming up next on the show now? Oh, yes. Now, uh, if you were listening and watching last week's show, you would have seen the superb interview that uh, Nick, uh, Captain Nick did with uh, Mike Wildman. And uh, this is part two of what is going to be either a part three or four uh, series, depending on how I edit it. Edit it. But uh, this uh, part two is coming up next. And this is where uh, Nick continues to ask Mike about his time on the C-130 aircraft so um going back to your c-130 flying have yeah. i have i left anything out or is there more oh well well somalia was was interesting because um i've, I've read some books about the guys on uh, in the gulf war on tornadoes and what a bizarre sort of lifestyle it was where they were flying out of i think um uh Muharrak um, and living this fantastic lifestyle in the in, you know, in the evening and and then going and flying off into war during the daytime, and we had a similar thing. We were based in the Serena Beach Hotel down in Mombasa, which was a kind of five star plus hotel, with two crews, and so we had one day on, one day off. And on our day on, we'd be flying down into a war zone into Kismayo and uh, Somalia um, in support of Belgian forces and the United Nations and all the stuff that was going on down there, and it was all pretty grim. And then we'd come home and then be sat by the pool and living this fabulous lifestyle and it was it was quite surreal oh, yeah. but again that was great fun ultra low flying um uh, 
really because it was fun because I don't think they had any sort of surface to air missile threat or anything like that but uh, um, that was just because we could and uh, we were there for six weeks at a time and it was it was uh, yeah really really enjoyable thing to do so that was interesting um, also flying doing airdropping into Sudan uh, which was remarkable we were doing um, something called Vlages, which is uh, very low altitude gravity extraction. So effectively, um, you'd have the aircraft down at 50 feet with the gear down, with the ramp open, um, with a kind of a, a tie-down strop with all the, the food on pallets at the back, and then uh, red on, green on, there'd be a guillotine would cut, and the, the whole lot would go out of the back. Um, and again, when you're flying this thing, it goes from uh, full back stick to full forward stick back to the middle um and you're at 50 feet doing about 150 knots so <laughs> that was horrendous yeah that was oh, it was great fun it was great fun um and we used to do um practice a lot of formation then because we were down there it was two and three or four ships and uh so we did a lot of close formation then and again for no real tactical reason apart from that it was fun so i got a lot of cl- uh, close formation um again in c-130 apart from um air to air refueling so that was good um I think the most remarkable thing I, I did when I was down there, um, we were being tasked to fly out of uh, Rwanda before the, this is before the genocide happened. And we had the United Nations were there, and we had a um, a three week detachment uh, in the Mil Kaline Hotel in in Kigali. Uh, again, sat by the pool, but because the, um, the the situation with AIDS was so bad down there. There's no way that anybody could get blood transfusions if they were injured, and we were supporting Belgian troops for the UN. And so our job was to be down there and medevac them out to somewhere safe if, if they needed to do that. And so we had a three-week detachment by the pool. It was our turn to go down there. And we were a bit late. We, we staged through Cairo. Uh, so it was two seven-hour flights, staged through Cairo. And uh, we were delayed for whatever reason. Uh, finally coming into Kigali just about in darkness, um, and we were f- in trail at about seven, eight, seven or eight miles final with an HS-125 in front of us. Um, next thing we know, surface-to-air missile comes up, blows wow. the aircraft out of the sky. Um, it had the uh, presence of both um, Rwanda and Burundi, the neighbouring country, aboard. And that was the start of the genocide. It was completely premeditated. And even now, there are conspiracy theories in Belgium. And people, I've had journalists get in touch with me saying... Did I think the missile was supposed to be for us and um, to try and bring Belgium more into the conflict than it was? So we'll never know. But uh, obviously there was certainly a threat there. So in that situation, we then you could hear shooting machine gun fire on ATC, which is the first and last time I've ever heard that. Um, again, we had, we had chaff and flare, so we pooped all that off, climbed to 10,000 feet in the overhead while our navigator was trying to get hold of Belgian forces on the ground and, and trying to arrange some sort of response. Um, the guy who was the captain of the uh, team that were already on the ground had been there for three weeks. The uh, the uh, the tradition was that he'd come and meet the aircraft with a slab of beer. <laughs> right? um, he was on the ground, obviously waiting for us. The airfield was overrun by bad guys, and he went on the run for three days uh, with just a slab of beer. Um, and when you think about the um, the training exercises we used to do, is that that's not a scenario you'd ever really come across, is it? Oh, uh, so so we, we, we then, uh, up to 10,000 feet, we waited there till the fuel ran out and then um, went off to Nairobi. So I was the first aircraft kind of in when that all started. Then over the next three or four weeks, um, a bit like they've just done out in Afghanistan, we, we um, flew a 
um, evacuation mission to bring all the Belgian people really and uh, plus uh, friendly workers and everything else in a, a very similar situation to pull them all out and obviously they had got surface to air missiles because they'd, they'd blown um, the aircraft out of the sky so there was a threat there um, and again I was fortunate that I was the last aircraft there and we had headquarters flight we were you know, the last people to get on board and literally people were running for the airplane with children it was, it was a harrowing experience and we had special forces guys on the ground shooting outwards with the bad guys coming over the fence with machetes and things. It was it was just the most surreal, surreal experience. If we'd lost an engine, you know, taxiing or whatever, yeah, I don't know what would have happened, but we were able to button everybody up. We left people behind, as you do, um, taxied out, and I was the last aeroplane out of there. So that was quite an experience. That's the sort of experience that might play on your mind for years after. Yes, I mean, I was lucky that I didn't see anything... In that situation there in Rwanda, I didn't see anything terrible. I saw, in Somalia, I saw some pretty horrendous things that are happening on the ground. So, yeah, yeah, they will always be there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you did some more interesting flying. Can I ask you to tell us about the arms ratification flights you did? Yeah, I was fortunate. Um, when I came back from Belgium, Belgium, the Belgian Air Force has retrofitted their C-130s with glass cockpit. And so I was the only person in the UK actually flying glass cockpit hurts from, from the RAF. Um, the guy who was supposed to be doing acceptance testing for the RAF fell off his motorbike and banged his head. And under French law, because he was at the school in, in France, they grounded him for a year. Um, wow. So they had nobody to do C-130J acceptance, which is the new aeroplane coming in. And so instead of going back to line, and I was hoiked off to the side to uh, Boscombe Dam didn't have to do the test pilot course and, and did acceptance testing, but I was able to fly uh, everything that was there apart from the fast jets, so Tucanos and things like that. But Brilliant. they had about um, seven or eight different uh, heavy aircraft um, from just about everything. Um, one of them was a, a, an Andover or 748. I, I think the Andover was a stretch version, but it was full of infrared line scan and cameras and uh, the tasking. This was just after, this was in 94, just after the wall had come down um, and everything had changed and the walls were packed. And so our job was to be tasked by um, the Foreign Office, I guess. Uh, I, I don't know who did the tasking, but was to fly at low level over pretty much all of the ex Warsaw Pact countries, um, taking photographs and, and various bits and pieces. We had, we had specialists down the back. Um, so we'd be fly, flying around the Soviet Union um, at 250 feet in, in an Andover um, taking photographs and so you'd have the navigator would say um, cresting over the next rise you'll see uh, you'll see an airfield ahead and we'd sure enough there were sort of 30 or 40 blackjack bombers in a line and it's like I can't you know you just can't believe what you're seeing you know um, and then we'd come down we'd land and uh, then be entertained by the various um, squadrons and governments and lots of vodka was drunk and yeah so as we'd been yeah, looking to go to war with these people for the last 20 or 30 years to find that obviously they were just the same as us and loved flying and loved you know partying and it was a great experience and I was very very fortunate and I went all over Europe doing that as well as flying um, lots of other things one other interesting story I'll tell you well, loads please of do um, GPS was just coming in and uh, they had the last flying Comet Mark 4C um, called Canopus it had a name and uh, they filled it full of GPS's of various types and inertial navigation systems 
and we fueled it as much as we could and we went up to Thule in Greenland. Refueled in Thule, which was uh, like a meteorological testing station full of just kind of containers and things, way, way up north of the, the Arctic Circle. And then the task was to fly this 1940s generation uh, airliner up to the North Pole, the magnetic North Pole, descend to 250 feet low level, fly round and round and round and round and round and round in circles to try and confuse all this kit, and then fly home. But of course, what heading do you fly home from the North Pole? Well, everywhere south. Everywhere south. So you just had to um, put the sun in kind of the right place and then wait for all this kit to sort itself out. But again, you know, what a remarkable opportunity to do something a bit wacky. <laughs> Unbelievable. And those sort of jobs were always coming up at Boscombe then. I flew Snoopy, the weather aircraft, and Boscombe was a fantastic place in those days because there's just everything was going on there. It was really cool. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So that was cool. So uh, eventually your career came to an end, but before we move on, is there anything I've missed out? No, I think that's probably covered most of it, I think. That's, that's your career in a nutshell, but a fantastic 12 years. By oh, sorry, one thing I did miss. Oh. Um, I flew the Belgians, I flew a Belgian C-130 back to Fairford for the International Air Team. Oh. Um, and I was sat on top of it, and my C-130, with my first officer and his girlfriend, drinking a beer. And two MiG-29s uh, were displaying you were there the overhead. Um, they crashed into each other and one of them came down and took the back of my aircraft off good lord so it came on the top of me at about 15 feet and i just had time to say that uh, uh my buddy we're dead because remember in flying training and the, air, the combat training if it doesn't move it's going to hit you yeah and it just went got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and i've got a fantastic photograph i'll show you in a minute but um yeah with us like this, the aircraft is burning wreckage, is about 20 foot over our aeroplane, and it, it took the tail off. Um, we did a big wheelie because of, of the damage on the back. Um, the girl fell off the side and held on to the uh, HF antenna, and I was able to jump back down through the escape hatch and catch her as she fell off. And that is a true story. If I'd realised how accident prone you were, I don't <laughs> think I'd have ever me. flown with yeah, you. Absolutely right. <laughs> Well, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, but eventually you decided to move on. What sort of prompted that? Timing, really. Um, as you probably know, in the Air Force, you can't just leave. You have to leave at what we call option points. And I was at my 12-year option point. Uh, I knew Virgin Atlantic were taking on. Uh, it was a good time to come back into uh, flying after the Gulf War and the various things that happened. It was, it was a good time. I think Virgin had just ordered how many did they have, 25s, 340s or something? Yeah. And so they were looking for pilots. And it was a late decision. Um, uh, I decided pretty much at the last minute and then had to get all my ATPL exams done in about six months flat. And so it was, it was a busy time. Um, and I was really, really lucky. Um, had one interview, which was for Virgin, uh, was taken on. And literally, I think this is before even my option had come to an end, the squadron had put me on gardening leave. And on the Friday, I was in the RAF. And the Monday, I was at Crawley and on the Tuesday I was in Miami doing the Airbus course. It was that great. Wow, you're, yeah. you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, That's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, great timing. Now, um, how did you find the change into civil life? I loved it. I mean, uh, Virgin was, it, it still is, but was at the time, you know, a, a uh, halcyon kind of lifestyle. We, were, we, we weren't flying that hard. I remember doing two or three trips a month when, when I first joined uh, the airline. Uh, going to, to 
the sort of destinations you could only imagine Tokyo, Cape Town, uh, Delhi, um, flying with people like yourself, so flying with like minded um, friends, um, you know, 16 cabin crew, five star hotels. You know, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven, to be honest. It was absolutely marvelous. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and your career progressed um, not as fast as some who got in at the, right at the beginning, but. No. Uh, but you, you got your captaincy? Yeah, got my command, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I didn't get to fly anything else. I, I flew 340s effectively my entire career. I got in there at the start and uh, sort of, uh, it finished at the end. Um, but it was a wonderful aeroplane. And yeah, we had a, we had a really nice lifestyle. Uh, unfortunately, um, I've been in the company only about six years or so when I had a um, really bad motorcycle accident. Oh, tell me what happened. Um, well, to try and keep in with all my Belgian mates, um, once I'd come home, we, about six of us, went on a motorbike holiday every year uh, with my mates from the Belgian Air Force. And this particular year, um, I didn't have a motorbike. I went out and bought one the day before the holiday and with 1200cc <laughs> BMW. What a great idea that was. Jumped on it and went down to France to meet the guys. And As it was, you do. It was down in that kind of Bastogne area to the south, south of Belgium. Yeah. The guys were all on really fast motorbikes that they'd had for years. What did you have? I had a BMW 1200GS. So it well, was like, it's not exactly slow. Not exactly slow, <laughs> but I wasn't used to it. What I should have said is I'll go at the front or, um, or I'll meet you at the hotel. What I didn't was uh, I was at the back, the slowest. I was racing to catch up with them, overcooked it into a bend hit a dry stone wall and went down a ravine in France. A dry stone wall? You yeah, went so, through it? Well, no, the bike flipped over the top. The oh. bike, well, he flipped me over the top. I went, um, the bike came back into the road and I went down the ravine. Oh my God. And uh, took pretty much all the, the, the kinetic energy through my left ankle. Um, it was really, really badly smashed up, as you can imagine. Uh, doctors initially down in Luxembourg because we weren't even sure which well, country. How we were. did they find out about it for a start? Because well, you're like came, at the back. Yeah, they came back to find me. They found debris in the road, and then a bit like an, an initial uh, officer training IOT exercise, they had to go down and find me and bring me back up because the ambulance wouldn't. Uh, the ambulance had eventually arrived, but wouldn't go down and get me. And so these uh, these Belgian Air Force pilots got some sort of hoarding from the side of the road and um, were able to, to pull me back up to the road. What so sort of state thing. were you in? I was, well, initially my leg was, was through 180 degrees. Oh, my God. So, anyway, let's not go there. Um, so I had, I think I had six weeks in hospital in Luxembourg and then back to the UK um, where they, they managed to sort of put it all back together. But it was um, obviously not as good as it could be. Um, and so kind of life continued for a number of years but with it gradually deteriorating. I think I had 14 operations which most of them have failed over that period. Virgin Atlantic were brilliant, they uh, allowed me time off and they allowed me, I don't know if I ever flew with you, but I had these special shoes that I could fly um, both uh, so I could feel the controls properly uh, and special, uh, they, they gave me um, like those buggies for going through the uh, airport and Virgin were, were very good to me. Um, and so I lived with it, and the further operations are a little bit down the line, but so I lived with it for a number of years until eventually um, we got to the stage where um, I couldn't walk properly. I was in constant pain. I was taking opiate-based painkillers, which meant I couldn't fly anymore. Uh, and I got to the stage where I couldn't walk, couldn't fly, couldn't work. Um, 
fortunately Virgin was still paying me, which was fantastic. Um, and so I had to make a very big decision, and that was uh, to have an elective blown knee amputation. That, that, you just say that so calmly, but that <laughs> must have been an absolute, you knew it was going to be a life-changing decision. Yes, I did. And I'd done a lot of, um, I'd done a lot of uh, research, and I did know that a couple of guys flying around the world had, had done it and were able to come back for flying, because to be honest, that's why I'd left it so long, because I didn't want to stop flying. Mm. But eventually I got to the stage where I didn't have one option. So, so uh, yeah, I took a load of brave pills and, uh, and off we went to have it cut off. What did your surgeon recommend? I'd had some, some operations where um, I'd had medical negligence by another surgeon. Ah. And he'd left it in a really bad way. So by the time I'd got to the original surgeon who'd done the work, he'd said, Mike, there's pretty much nothing we can do. You've got about a 30% chance of it being successful. Um, but I can't even say that, you know. And uh, if it did, they'd have to put one of those cages on it where you moved it by a millimetre a day. And I was going to be bedridden for two years with less than 50% chance of it being successful. Very difficult decision. And Absolutely. So I, I took the decision to have it done. Did you take that alone? I'm just, just out of curiosity. Or were you sharing and, and talking to your family? How, how did it all come about? This is another f- funny story. I was going back to Virgin. I was in a B&B and there was a little old lady in the corner. And you've got that decision. Am I going to make conversation or am I not? And I was going back to Virgin after one of my many operations. And she said, oh, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going back to Virgin, blah, blah, blah. And I said, but, you know, my leg is in a mess and I'm not sure what to do about uh, uh, an amputation. And she said, oh, uh, my grandson is bum de bum And this guy had just returned to the Royal Marines, uh, having lost his leg, and was the first Royal Marine to go back and complete full Royal Marine training as an amputee. Oh, wow. Um, I went down to visit him at Limpston, and that was one of the reasons I decided to make it go. So I thought, if he can do that, I can certainly carry on with my life. Wow, what an inspiration. Yeah, so that's just one of those, those, those stories. And that's completely, yeah. I was completely, completely by coincidence. Blue. What's the chance of me and her being in the same room at the same time and even talking to each other? Yeah. Yeah, remarkable. Absolutely. Anyway, so yeah, so I got inspiration from him. Uh, I got encouragement from my family. Uh, and uh, I had to have two psychiatric tests because obviously the doctors wanted to make sure you were completely... Um, oh, wow. Uh, uh, well, that would mind. be a worry for most of us. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Giving an airline pilot a psychiatric test. Exactly right. Yeah, so... But obviously you passed. So we passed, yeah. Oh. Um, so you're, you're absolutely sane now, we're sure yes. of that, is that Well, right? I think to, to, to an extent, anyway, yeah. Well, I don't think it gets any more fascinating than that, does it, really? No. Uh, gosh, listening to Mike tell his story about the uh, injury uh, and the disability that he suffered. Uh, gosh, it's. Uh, mm. I was listening to it at the time. Obviously, I was filming it and then listening to it again and editing it and then listening to it again just now. It's absolutely amazing. But yeah. uh, thanks to Nick once again. Uh, now, obviously, uh, Mike uh, needs some funding for the uh, display team that he runs. And so uh, let's find out how we can support Mike with that. Mike, uh, if someone did want to get in touch with you, how would they go about that? Um, best way would be through the website, and that's teamphoenixair.com, and that's Phoenix, P-H-O-E-N-I-X, so teamphoenixair.com. Uh, my email address is there, but also you could call me on my telephone number. The UK cell number is plus four four 
7973 Brilliant. Thanks. And if you can spare a bit of pocket change, then I'm sure he'd appreciate uh, all the help he can get. It must be a very expensive project. Can I just say, Nev, hand, hands up, fabulous visuals, fantastic uh, video on that uh, particular interview. Thank you. As always. Um, Yes, we, we now have two cameras, so it's easier to do these sorts of things. But we should have brought the sun cream with us. I didn't yeah. realise it was going to be quite like that, but I'm no. glad it was because it was, a, it was a great day. And in the next part, uh, Mike's going to talk a bit more about the uh, Yak uh, display team. And I'll be showing you some uh, uh, shots around the hangar and uh, some of the other aircraft as well. So, uh, yeah, be, be absolutely brilliant. Really looking forward to it. Mm. Indeed. So moving on to the next part of the show then. He's not here this week, as we said at the beginning of the show, uh, but he has supplied us with the all-important uh, military stories. So uh, should we do some military, guys? Yeah, let's do it. There you go. Here we go. So this first news story then comes to us from BreakingDefense.com. And the new Compass Call electronic warfare plane takes to the skies. Uh, the new EC-37B Compass Call electronic warfare aircraft recently made its inaugural flight at L3 Harris announced on Wednesday. Unlike a typical military aircraft procurement program, the U.S. Air Force intends to modernize its aging Compass Call fleet by stripping sophisticated electronic warfare systems out of its legacy EC-130H aircraft and incorporating them on board new Gulfstream G550 business jets. The EC-37Bs will be equipped with additional technologies meant to disrupt enemy sensors and communications gear. Updating the service's EW capability is vital to the all-domain operations warfare concept being pursued by the Pentagon. Delivery of the first uh, EC-37Bs could occur as early as December 2022, an Air Force spokeswoman confirmed. A news release uh, from L3 Harris was light on details of the flight, saying only that it occurred at an unnamed Gulfstream facility where L3 Harris is also making modifications to the aircraft. Over the life of the program, L3 Harris will build 10 combat-coded EC-37Bs and one training aircraft. According to the budget documents, six G-550s have been procured. The first five aircraft will be equipped with Baseline 3 mission equipment that mixes systems from the EC-130H with new tech. The sixth EC-37B will receive the Baseline 4 equipment, which it uh, will introduce an open systems architecture that will allow the new EW payloads to plug into the aircraft when needed. And the, G the new G-550s offer increased space, and range compared to the original EC-130H airframe and will increase survivability, the company stated in a press release. And BAE Systems, which built the new EW systems of the original EC-130H, is managing the mission systems of the new EC-37B. It's a nice biz jet, I'll mm. say that. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. You know. <laughs> Obviously, the interior is not going to be... Uh, I don't think the interior is going to be all plush Quite carpets so and leather seating. No. 
bit more um, grey. Yeah, <laughs> everything will be mandatory grey. Yes. But actually, one of the, one of the things with, with uh, these uh, biz jets like this, what the uh, the G five fifty is that these these aircraft, as Neville knows well, have a a very high um, ceiling altitude, don't they? Yeah, very often they're cruising up at the, um, you know, sort of 46 or flight level uh, 470, something yeah. like that. So, yeah, yeah right, uh, right up there for their uh, efficiency and, um, yeah, and range, yes. So, Nev, uh, you've got some news from Saab. Yes, it's on the aviationonline.com and the headline says Saab delivered to Boeing its third aft fuselage section for use in the T-7A Red Hawk flight test program for the US Air Force. Uh, the production and shipment of this aft fuselage section is the latest milestone in Saab's contribution to the engineering and manufacturing development phase of the T-7A Red Hawk trainer for the US Air Force. Upon completion of this EMD phase, Saab's new plant in West Lafayette, Indiana, in the States, will take over the production of the aft fuselage sections for the T7A program. Uh, this delivery demonstrates that we are committed to our plan and that the solid progress we have made toward completing our EMD schedule. Uh, the, uh, this airframe will be part of the first T7A to fly and is another step closer to the start of production at our new state-of-the-art facility in West Lafayette, uh, says Jonas Helm, who's the senior vice president and head of Saab's aeronautics business area. Boeing has spliced Saab's aft section with the forward section. The wings, control surfaces and tail have then been assembled into a complete test aircraft to be used in the EMD flight test program. Uh, the aft section with the installed subsystems, uh, which includes hydraulics, fuel and secondary power system, uh, extends from behind the cockpit to the end of the aircraft. In April 2021, earlier this year, Saab delivered its first aft section of the T7A Red Hawk, followed by the second delivery in July 2021. Uh, upon delivery at Boeing in St. Louis, uh, Saab's air, air aft section was seamlessly joined with the Ford fuselage in less than 30 minutes. This achievement is a testament to the use of digital design and engineering, which provides precision, efficiency and quality improvement throughout the design and delivery of the T-7A Red Hawk. Uh, this aircraft is entirely new and advanced pilot training systems designed for the US Air Force are to train the next generation of fighter pilots for some decades to come. Isn't that incredible? They can actually join these two sections <laughs> of the aircraft <laughs> yeah. in less than 30 minutes. I know. Wow. I was just checking up on uh, on Wikipedia, actually, look at the T-7A Red Hawk. And, uh, because that's so reliable, looks, obviously. I know. Well, actually, I was looking at the images. <laughs> the images, they can't get those wrong. Right. Um, it, it is stunning to look at, actually. It's a training aircraft. Mm. I, I, I'd, I'd try. I'd love to train in this. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, 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 it, looks, it looks absolutely amazing. Yeah, Good on I, I bet. Think. So uh, this next one is uh, actually this is one of uh, Mr. Warner's favourite aircraft. I know <laughs> he go. sent he sent about four thousand pictures of these to me this week on WhatsApp, and uh, this is uh, from the Aviationist.com. An amazing video of two B-1B bombers arriving at RAF Fairford this morning. 
And yeah, I think the, the video should have come from Mr. Warner, actually. I've got <laughs> up my phone somewhere. Uh, the Bones are back to the UK for a bomber task force deployment on October the 6th, 2021, to B 1B Lancers from the 9th Expeditionary Bomb Squadron at Dice Air Force's base in Texas, arrived at RAF Fairford. Uh, for a long-planned bomber task force mission, a regularly scheduled U.S. command and U.S. Strate- uh, strategic command joint mission series, flying as REM US zero one as the flight number, uh, the bones from uh, uh, from eighty six oh one eight six dash oh one one zero and eight six dash oh one four zero arrived in formation and performed a left overhead break uh, for landing. Uh, the video was filmed by our friend at Saint One. is particularly interesting as it shows, among all other things, that the break and the windy landing and smoke from the brakes of the U.S. Air Force bomber, which is amazing. Uh, this is the second time in six months that the B-1s from the 7th uh, Bomb Wing deployed to Europe between February and March 2021. Four U.S. Air Force B-1Bs from DICE operated from Orland Air Station, marking the very first Lancer deployment to Norway ever. During the same deployment, a B-1B landed for the first time at Bodo Main Air Station in northern Norway, marking the bomber's first landing at an airbase above the Arctic Circle. At the moment, it's not quite clear what the Bones will do and where they will be flying during their stay here in the UK, but it's quite certain they will carry out missions across the old continent, integrating with a range of coalition. And they will also be flying, and Mr Warner will be taking many pictures of them. <laughs> Absolutely. Indeed, uh... Oh, uh, Jonathan Warner saying that they've been joined by a second pair that arrived yesterday, now four on the deck. Nice. And we will have pictures of those for you uh, <laughs> soon. No, no doubt. In fact, I do have uh, a WhatsApp full of them from Mr. Warner, in fact. But yes, I, I, I know. I'm not, I'm not able to get them up, get them up on screen at the moment. But Can, uh, you, can you imagine if we gave uh, Jonathan Warner access to our Facebook page? It would just become grey. Yeah, it would go very, very grey very quickly. Very grey. Yes. yes. Uh, all part of the fun, as they say. Anyway, we'll move on to the next story. And uh, the flightglobal.com is, uh, he says, just realising he's not on the right camera. Sorry about that. That's <laughs> fine to see me. Drink I was going to say, blooming amateurs coming in, not not doing their job properly. Uh, <laughs> indeed, it's uh, yes, yeah, Sikorsky uh, could complete uh, Blackhawks in the UK as it eyes uh, NMH bid. So Sikorsky remains confident that its combat-proven UH-60 Blackhawk can see off the competition for the UK's new medium helicopter, the NMH programme, and does not rule out completing the rotorcraft in the country, potentially alongside a rival bidder if selected. Uh, the With the UK industrial concerns likely to play a key role in the procurement. Airbus helicopters and Leonardo uh, helicopters have uh, set out the plans for domestic assembly and increasing UK content on their respective H175M and AW149 platforms. However, the US airframer continues to stay silent on the strategy. Robert Mathers, who is the Sikorsky Regional Manager, Europe and uh, Eurasia, uh, 
strategy and business development acknowledges the strong pressure for UK industrial participation in any helicopter procurement and says that it is going into the contest with open eyes and open ears. If the customer wants a Black Hawk, then we'll give them a Black Hawk, he says. He notes that in the past, Sikorsky successfully produced several hundred helicopters in the UK at Yeovil under an agreement that saw the then Westland helicopters, a forerunner of the Leonardo helicopters, produce several types under licence. But even though Leonardo helicopters is lined up against Sikorsky for the NMH contest, Mather says the company is not ruling anything out when it comes to reviving its past collaboration. Uh, While declining uh, to be drawn on its precise strategy, Mather adds that we hope to be able to give uh, the Ministry of Defence a combat-proven, reliable platform that also has an economic benefit for the UK. It is possible that Sikorsky would look to replicate its proposal for the Romanian Ministry of the Interior, which would see Black Horts partially built at its PZL uh, Milek subsidiary in Poland and then shipped to the customer for local completion. Mather declined to comment. Uh, It's also doubtful whether the UK could take advantage of the cost savings offered by the US foreign military sales process if it it, uh, required helicopters to be finished locally. Regardless of the domestic industrial uh, arrangements, Mather Uh, contends that the Black Hawk is the strongest contender from an operational perspective. Uh, Just because you paint something green doesn't make it a military helicopter, says Mather, offering a sideswipe at two rival platforms, both of which have strong commonality with their civil variants. The Black Hawk was designed from the beginning as a military helicopter. There's superficial clean lines and nice designs but when uh, what uh, when what to do uh, nice design but then what do you actually need there's a reason why our special operations units still fly the black hawk i mean there it's uh, i mean that last picture especially i'm going to pop that back up i mean that's a beautiful picture isn't it with the, hmm. the setting and all that kind of thing it's uh, i mean it's an iconic aircraft there's there's no two ways about that yeah, absolutely. No, it's wonderful, isn't that? Absolutely wonderful stuff. Mm. So, yeah, very good. So, moving on to the next story, then Nev and uh, I've, I actually saw these images on uh, YouTube and Twitter. I think someone posted some videos of these up on there. Yes, uh, stunning. I think is the word you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is on the thedrive dot com, and uh, these are. Absolutely stunning images of C-17s flying amongst sky, uh, skyscrapers in Brisbane. And uh, it says that, that uh, like clockwork, every year around September, images and videos of military aircraft manoeuvring incredibly low through dense urban rain emerge out of Brisbane, Australia and hit social media with viral velocity. In years past, the city's river fire spectacle was, uh, spe- spectacle was probably best known in aviation circles for showcasing the Royal Australian Air Force's uh, F-111 pigs doing their iconic dump and burn manoeuvre whilst ripping over the Story Bridge. 
Today, the F-111s are long gone, but the RAAF is still super active in this event with its Super Hornets and Growlers, and most notably, its hulking C-17 Globemaster III airlifters taking centre stage. These massive cargo jets in particular, weaving just a couple of hundred feet off the ground over the picturesque Uh, city is truly a sight to behold there is really nowhere else in the world where uh, heavy air lifters perform for audiences like this but after seeing the display for a number of years and writing about it as well the novelty wears off that is until someone comes along with a new perspective or a piece of media that showcases just how unique the flyover is like never before two years ago this was the cockpit footage from inside the display c17 and this year it's the stunning stunning images of mark greenmantle Uh, absolutely unbelievable Uh, the war zone asked mark how he captured these incredible photos and he was kind enough to lay it all out for them and he says uh, to achieve these images i have found the ideal perch upon the railing of the 39th floor of uh, the uh, Riparian Plaza in Brisbane. Uh, For two years pre-COVID, I have hosted the RAAF media teams with me to ensure that they can make the most of this vantage point. Uh, So from this vantage uh, point, the jets passed about 30 to 80 feet below the balcony. Uh, The balcony itself, with its 360-degree views, allows for coverage of the air display from above most of the central business district buildings. This year's images were shot on a Nikon D850 with a Nikkor 200-500mm telephoto lens so that the close passes meant I was uh, stuck with close-up crops of the C-17 Globemasters. Uh, The general flight of the display was known from previous years and had only been slightly altered for 2021. What was known for certain was that the pilots from the uh, RAAF Amberley base had flown many hours in the simulators to prepare for the low-level passes, which were 250 feet to 300 feet above the ground uh, over the rivers and bridges. And you can uh, go to the uh, Mark's website, which is... uh, https greenmantle.biz g-r-e-e-n mantle.biz that's m-a-n-t-l-e absolutely wonderful photography and i'm sure captain nick and a few others uh, would be most impressed with that can you imagine sitting in your office in that building and just looking out the window and seeing that fly past the window no at that level i can't (laughs) That's so good. Yeah. So good. Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, Jacob Darlington Brown uh, makes the comment in the chat room. Crazy Aussie pilots. It's the the sun. It's the sun for me in those pictures that that really does. uh, I'm just trying. I'm just, for me, this one here, actually, weirdly, I'll just pick this up. So to describe this particular picture, uh, for me, there's just something about that. Obviously, the low sun on on the hull of that. Now, now what is this aircraft? Somebody able to tell me? Oh, that's the C-17. That's the Mm. C-17. And it just looks, as I say, so you've got the, it's basically the nose, um, and you can see the engines, can't you? Just sort of like in, as part of the the, the shot here. But it's just something about the way the sun has caught that, where it's obviously a low sort of evening sun. Um, it just what, what you mean, Matt, is it doesn't look so grey. I mean, as there, it is normally would do. <laughs> there is that. But, there is that. There is that. You know, but it, but it's, <laughs> I just think it's just, they're, they're just they're, well. I mean, they're all lovely pictures, aren't they? They are absolutely lovely. Yeah. 
definitely um, have to look him up on Instagram, I think. Mm. Anyway, moving on to the next part of the show. And speaking of Jacob Darlington Brown, we have uh, uh, we have had some feedback in, haven't we, Nev, from a certain Jacob Darlington Brown? We have. Thank you very much indeed, Jacob, for sending it in. Really appreciate it. Now, you might have uh, remember in the past we used to do a Nev's passenger experience where I would go on board an aircraft on a trip and I'd come back and tell everybody about it. Uh, obviously, with the lack of flying recently, we've not <laughs> done much of that. Uh, however... Uh, we can rely on other people to do it for us. So Jacob's very kindly sent in his own version of an uh, Nev's passenger experience from a trip to the Sim uh, that he took uh, down in Melbourne. Uh, well, he says that the trip began a few days prior to when I went to get my weekly COVID test, which I need to get every seven days. And then I filled out my travel declaration form and applied for a border pass to travel from New South Wales to Victoria. I then got my essential worker travel form from work and off I went to the airport. Wednesday morning, I flew out of Sydney on a Qantas 737-800, which is the, the backbone of the Qantas fleet. It uh, is clearly an older model. Uh, but it, it had quite a few cosmetic upgrades, but on closer inspection had clearly seen a few hours as in when desperate need of either retirement or a major facelift. Uh, the phrase putting lipstick on a donkey came to mind. I met up with two other colleagues of mine who were also going down to the sim centre and we boarded the plane. There were only about 40 passengers on this flight and to my amazement, at least half were airline crew deadheading. Uh, it was quite funny to see the new, uh, the few normal passengers reacting to seeing at least 20 pilots and flight attendants board the, the aircraft and sit down at the back with them. The seats were pretty good. I think it's uh, one less row than normal on the Qantas fleet, which adds a bit of more comfort. Uh, not sure of the exact seat pitch, but it definitely felt better than what I have had on Jetstar, which is one of their low-cost carriers. The safety demo video at Qantas at the moment is all based around the 100th year birthday, uh, which Qantas celebrated last year. And it's filled with emotional music and pictures and stories of Qantas over the past 100 years. Some people hate it, but I think it's actually quite nice. It really makes you feel uh, nostalgic and definitely worth a watch if you hadn't seen it. We took off from runway 34 right, which on a clear day is as great as you can get, which is with an amazing view of the, the city, Sydney Harbour and the beautiful beaches. And luckily it wasn't too bad of a day, so it was a great view. There was a full complement of flight attendants for today's flight, despite only having 40 passengers. So the service came around very quickly. But to my disbelief, it was only served to the business class passengers. <gasps> I was horrified. As I was in economy oh, with no. the rest of the punters. Oh, dear, Jake. <laughs> no idea what that was about, as I'd never seen that before. Not happy, so they definitely lost a few NPE points on that one. Couldn't ah. agree more, Jacob. A, a disaster, if ever there was one. Uh, the rest of the flight was pretty okay, though, and even if we didn't get any snacks. Um, all the crew were great, and one even stopped to have a chat for a bit, which is always nice. Uh, for the landing, uh, the captain was clearly flying that leg because he absolutely greased it onto the runway. <laughs> Hardly felt a thing. So uh, very well done there. And he went and ruined it by slamming the thing into reverse and stamping on the brakes. And everyone went, went flying forward into the seat in front of them so we could all make the high-speed exit, which personally is a huge pet peeve of mine. It hardly saves time. And all people will remember is the full reverse landing 
that was completely unnecessary and uncomfortable. So I had to take the, another few NPE points away from them for that. Now, to be fair... Has he got any left? <laughs> well, I don't know. But to be fair, Jacob, it may be that ATC had some stuff coming up behind him and they wanted him off the runway a bit sharpish. But we'll, we'll never know, will we? Uh, he says, but after we disembarked, we were met with a sea of government health officials in full PPE with face masks, face shields and full operating theatre gowns and gloves uh, to chat to everyone that came off the plane to make sure they hadn't brought COVID with them and had all the correct paperwork uh, that they were allowed and they were actually allowed to travel. It's super restrictive at the moment and only essential travel is authorised. But to my surprise, as soon as they saw me in the full pilot outfit, they just let me walk through without checking anything, which was a bit strange. But I guess them's the rules. One last thing he says, the first officer, uh, uh, yeah, the first officer was standing at the door on the way out, which I personally really like when one of the pilots does that. So it made it feel more personal. So in all, in all, I gave that trip six and a half out of ten. On my return flight on Thursday evening back to Sydney, to my surprise, they had me on one of the Qantas A330 200s. Now, this aircraft must have been uh, old, but man, it was well kept. Uh, immaculate inside and out. It even had that new plane smell. So either the interior <laughs> just been, had a very deep clean or they had just re, uh, redone it, in fact. Either way, it was great. Again, there was huge amounts of airline crew on this flight, but uh, there was definitely much more, uh, many more passengers, probably 100 or so more. Nowhere near filling the 400 odd seat a 330 can take, but uh, definitely a lot more people than the flight uh, the day before, he says. Uh, the flight attendants were so nice, and they even welcomed each person by name as they quickly read it off the ticket, which I really like. Uh, I sat down in, in the economy seat and I could already tell this was a much more comfortable seat. Much more cushioning and in the seat back, which had an iPad holder and two charging points, which, be, to be honest, as expected as the 330 is usually part of the long haul fleet, but nonetheless was a great addition. We blasted off out of Melbourne after seeing the same very emotional and nostalgic safety video. And almost as soon as I heard the first ding for the flight attendants to get out of their seat, an amazing aroma wafted through the cabin. Uh, <laughs> and luckily this time we all got food. And actually it was pretty good. Uh, it, they served uh, pumpkin and parmesan arancini. Uh, they came in a small box and they were three little arancinis inside. And he, as far as airline food goes, it was actually really good. I managed to uh, get a second helping as I had hardly eaten all day after being in the sim. And thanks to all our COVID lockdown restrictions, none of the airport food outlets were open. So a massive few extra NPE points for that. Uh, one other huge difference was the noise. The 737 sounded like what you would expect, but the A330 was whisper quiet. Uh, except for the uh, PTU barking anyway, <laughs> just the standard thing, isn't it? <laughs> I could really feel the power from the engines, but it was shocked. I was shocked how quiet it was. And these were the standard engine ones. I'm, I'm guessing it was quite a heavily derated takeoff being only a one hour flight and only having about a quarter of the passengers on board. But even in climb and cruise, it was incredibly quiet. So I was really impressed there. Another few extra NPE points for that. This, this is really getting into the uh, realms of uh, high point scoring, isn't it? Now, from the personal experience, landing a plane when empty is harder than when it's full. Uh, when it's empty, sometimes the damn thing just doesn't want to get on the ground. <laughs> yeah. And the 330 landing back in Sydney was exactly that. We floated quite a long way and could even feel the pilot trying to push the thing onto the runway. When we finally did get down, it was a bit of a thump as the plane dropped out of the sky. But the main uncourage on the 330 is so beautiful, uh, which is uh, that is, it still made it feel like a pretty good landing. So well done, Airbus. Any extra points for that? I don't know. <laughs>
This time we got off I, the I plane. Think, I think he's given away enough MPU I, points. He's been <laughs> very generous. He really has. This time we got off the plane, and there wasn't a health if, official in sight. Oh. Uh, now we all just got off the plane and all looked similarly confused together. Uh, and then just walked out. Evidently, New South Wales doesn't care about COVID as much as they do down in Victoria. So all in all, uh, the 3.30 gets a whopping 8.5 out of 10 on the NPE scale. Ooh. Anything that let them down was that I didn't get an upgraded business class when there was about 20 oh, seats rude. available, but you can't win them all. I hope you found that at least slightly interesting, he says. It really is an odd thing to fly in COVID times, especially in Australia, as our restrictions are insane compared to the rest of the mm. world. But our vaccination rate, with our vaccination rate climbing, it looks like there's going to be a normal Christmas for us down here, hopefully filled with lots of flying and holidays. Cheers, guys, and have a great weekend. That's from Jacob Darlington-Brown. Brilliant. Love it. Well done. And uh, thank you very much indeed, Jacob, for taking the time to write all that down. It just shows you, doesn't it, the the restriction that they have in Oz and Mm. I guess in New Zealand as well. It's a bit like you, uh, Matt and Carlos, not being able to go from Norfolk to Suffolk without uh, yeah. COVID restrictions. <laughs> yeah, uh, just going from New South Wales to Victoria. Uh, Very much like the, the distances are greater uh, and the states are, are greater. But, uh, yeah, different states have different rules. So, now, uh, now, Nav, if, any, if anybody would like to uh, share a similar experience they've had, how do they do that? Yes, that's a good idea. So if you want to um, tell us about your flying experience, uh, you can either write it down, as Jacob's very kindly done, or you can actually send in some audio feedback to us. But send it to us at uh, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and we'd be delighted to read it out. We would, absolutely. And if you don't know how to send the audio, let us know. Um, or as I say, you can actually send us uh, what they call a vo- voice note uh, mm. from within WhatsApp. Uh, and uh, our number for that is plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. That's plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. The number is working at the moment because I think it's I think Lee's been in touch uh, by WhatsApp while we've been on air. So as I say, plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six you can it's send us the like WhatsApp. A... you can send us the the voice note there i can convert that into an mp3 and then we can play it on the show so it's as simple as that it's almost like a 24-hour helpline <laughs> for you it is yeah <laughs> it's just like we don't we don't do tech uh right anyway uh oh, we need to start anyway, wrapping up I yes think. we yeah. do we've got so uh, i'm just going to quickly do the caption this oh of this course week. yeah okay uh we did uh have as he set our picture on our facebook page on wednesday uh for caption this now uh, never I, I, i'm looking forward to you describing this picture for me good luck with this uh oh, dear. O- off you go <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, it's a dog in a full. Uh, <laughs> she's in a first no first officer's uniform, isn't it? Right, it's three stripes. So what, what, what's three, a three stripe? Three stripes, probably senior first officer. Okay, right? yeah, well, yeah. fair enough. Okay, good. And uh, <laughs> Carlos, what's the aircraft behind him? Um, Is that- well, I, I, I wanted like to, I wanted to yeah. say, yeah, I wanted to say a one seven two. I would, okay. I would, I would probably say a one seven two. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, or it might be a one. It might be a one eight two. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's either one seven two or one eight two. I'm sure. One anyway, be, as uh, I say, it's a, it's a it's a it's an unusual one, Carlos. I'm not. I'll be honest with you. I don't think it's your um your best choice of photograph. Well, uh, when when I found this one, I just when I saw the picture, I just thought, oh. Alfie. Right. Oh, <laughs> Alfie's not quite so. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, there we go. Let's go through the. Yeah. Right. So we had things, yeah. we had some runs. We saw we were going to kick off. The first one was from Dari. He said Tango Sierra Foxtrot Papa Alpha 
pardon the pun, but stop barking on this frequency. Oh, dearie me. Uh, James says, with the current national labour shortage and the Queen planning a trip to Balmoral, Buckingham Palace have had to think outside the box to find a pilot for the Royal Airplane. Captain Corgi to the rescue. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like uh-huh. that one. <laughs> That's someone called Carlos Stebbings. I don't even know if you're allowed to uh, enter. No, no, that's from John, this it's one. John. Oh, it's John. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. It says Carlos Stebbings on, on my copy here. But oh. anyway, from John, it says, Flight instructor uh, patiently ponders whether he can teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> there is my, my flight instructor. Yeah, this uh, next one is from David. Uh, <laughs> God, this is good. Pedigree Airlines with business class kennels equipped with fully reclining best-in-class doggy beds plus Paul Miles, world's best oh. frequent flyer loyalty program. <laughs> oh, dear. We need Tumbleweed and, and yeah, for that oh, one, top, I think. Top Gun reference next, man. Lovely. Top Gun yes, sir. Sean says, talk to me, Goose. Mm-hmm. What's Glenn saying, Nev? Glenn says, now there is single pilot operations. I'm here to make sure the pilot doesn't touch anything. Good point. Good point. And, uh, Would if Alpha was in there with Well, him. quite absolutely. <laughs> and uh, Richard... Now, uh, Matt, what what this one from Richard is is perfect. He just says freight dog. Simple as that. There isn't it? Two words. To, uh, to, uh, two two words. Does it really? Uh, we've got some in the chat room, which I think John is going to flash up for us. Benjamin Todd Todd is saying uh, uh, dog, dog e dog e goes <laughs> going goes flying dog e going. Oh Dirk Dirk. Oh my God, Dirk. That is yeah. That is. <laughs> Everybody disembark. Bark. Okay. Nev, uh, are you all right there? (laughs) Yes. No, I'm I'm just amazed at what I'm saying here. Well, quite. Absolutely. Uh, Miles High says, Dog Pilot likes the pre-flight walk around best. Good point. Uh, (laughs) Sester's canine captain says, Oh, no. There we go. Some good ones there. Yeah. Don't forget to check us out on Wednesdays on our Facebook page where I'll post another picture next week for our captionist picture for you to comment on. So, Nev, where can everyone find us on the social media side? Well, if you go for the socials, then you have to look at uh, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and search for Plain Talking UK. You can send us pictures uh, or comments on our WhatsApp number, plus 44 757 24916 um, and uh, look on the website for the Patreon and the PayPal method of supporting us. Absolutely. Uh, so that's it, everyone. Yes. It's time to finish. Thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah, thanks, everyone. We're all quite tired, aren't we, really? It's been quite we a week for all good. of us, to be honest with you. So a, pro- a proper result. Uh, anyway. 
That's it then. That is where we are going to bring episode 387 to a close. Thanks everyone again for joining us. Thanks to all the YouTube chat room. Thanks again to everyone who downloads the show as an audio podcast. Thank you very much. So that's it then, guys. Don't forget to tune back in next Friday for the show. Uh, for all the team that hopefully all the team will be here. So from me here in my home studio, from Matt in the PTUK Master Suite studio, and from Nev across the countryside in his Buckingham Manor. <laughs> and also not forgetting our awesome uh, producer, John, the voice in our ear for all his hard work. Thank you to you as well. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend and see you next Friday. Goodbye. See Take you. care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, John says we have 90 seconds left. I don't think we can start just yet. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) No, carry on. Okay. Carry on. (laughs) 